This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Searching for gifts for guys can be difficult because, honestly, they don't like what you're buying them. So put down the ugly tie and get him a man crate. Man crates take stuff guys love, like machetes, beef jerky, and video games, and packs them into wooden crates and ships them right to their door. They come with a crowbar so they can pry the box open themselves. Find a great gift for every type of guy, whiskey drinkers, bacon lovers, even zombie survivalists. Go to mancrates.com slash stew to find the perfect gift for every guy you know. Mancrates.com slash stew. Not here the whole show today. Nope. Got a big day today. <laughs> big day. A, this is a big day. It's your uh, it's your son's first ever Christmas play or yes. pageant or program or something. What What is it exactly? Uh, that. What yeah. you just described. Play, program, it's pageant. Play, program, thing. pageant thingy is mm-hmm. what I've been referring to it as. He's, okay. He goes to a little thing at church, you know, a couple days a week, and they they have their big extravaganza today. So I got I to gotta bail a little bit early. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. That's fun. He seems to be into it, too, although I'm not entirely sure he actually understands what's going on. Yeah. Um, He's three. Uh, So, he, you know, he's in that point where he's, like, excited about Christmas generally. He knows who Santa is. He knows the real story of Christmas as as much as you can, I suppose, at three. Um, Mm -hmm. But he, uh, you know, I don't know that he fully knows all of it yet. You know, he's still, he, like, when we ask him what he wants for Christmas, um, he kind of just he doesn't really have anything, and then you suggest things. He'd be like, "Well, you know, he likes this show, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, on uh, Disney." And so he said, "What do you want? Something from Jake? Something like that?" And then the next time you ask him, he'll repeat that. He, like he just repeats the things you've suggested to him. So now he'd just be like, uh, "Do you want a paper plate?" So then next time he's like, "I want a paper. I plate. want a paper plate." That's what we're <laughs> hoping for, at least. Uh, you might uh, want to have him checked. <laughs> I think we. At what point does this joke run out? He's now three. Before, (laughs) never. Never? So he's like twenty, and he's still. There is no statute of limitations on this. I mean, seriously, (laughs) Pat and I have talked to you about this before. We're worried. We're legitimately worried about the kid. We're worried about it. When you say talk to me about it before, what do you mean? If you've done this joke before, (laughs) is what you're trying to say. You can call it whatever you want. Right. Do you remember your first Christmas pageant? I because I I kind of do. I think it was my first, and and it was. You know, grade school on the mean streets of, of Helena. Wow. They had that sort of so, thing in, in Helena, Montana? Very dangerous. Did they, were they locked had to be the heavily guarded. Ha- yeah, completely locked down, heavily National guarded. National Guard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, troops were called in. And, uh, and I, I, w- I remember being the Grinch, and we, just, we did it in front of my parents. And at least my mom was there. I don't remember if my dad was able to come. But uh, those were good times. And then, and then at the end, we all got done, and, and all the classes get out in the hallway because it was this big hallway. It echoed like crazy, so we sang Silent Night. And then up on the next floor, where the sixth graders all sang Harmony upstairs. Nice. And it sounded, I remember it sounding incredible. It probably didn't. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, and then uh, we all had to get into armored vehicles and try to make our way home. <laughs> Through the bloodbath, uh, those I mean, were harrowing times. 
Probably horrific. It was like the a lot last of, lot of parents didn't make it home. Their, they didn't, they just didn't make it yeah. home. Montana you know we're I mean? talking about, right? Yeah, Helena, Montana. Mean streets. People this, you know, it's, dead everywhere. I dead was looking this up recently. Up the, the, the crime statistics don't base, don't back up your, your vision of... No, they don't show that for a I mean, I don't, I don't want to back up Pat. I, I, I hate to be on Pat's side for this, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. cities like that you can't show. No, you can't. City, they wait, cover, it's all covered up. I don't understand it's this. It's all covered up. Cities like that you, you can't, can't show. show. You can't show. You can't show that. <laughs> it they, would raise the national crime average too high. Oh, okay. So they're, they're hiding it. They're, they're covering hiding. it up. It's covered up. Okay. It's covered up. It's interesting. Classified information now. It's, I feel like so. when I look into a lot of the things we talk about on the show, like, I don't know, the invasion of the island of Spice, and I find mm -hmm. that... Holy crap. The, uh, Why are you talking bringing that up? A lot of the Did facts you? are a little bit... Did you actually... Did you actually, uh, speaking of which, mm. we haven't looked into uh, your uh, your discharge papers yet. Oh, yeah, you were bringing them I in. I haven't found them. I've been looking for them. I thought you said you knew right where I they were. I did, too, but we've moved several times. So you don't okay. have your military discharge papers. We've moved. I, I have them. Uh -huh. I just don't know where they're at right now. Do you have your the medals that you uh, earned in the battle? or? Yeah, I, I showed you, them to you. You showed them on the air? Has he showed them on the air? Maybe Where was I when he showed them on the air? Because I don't I remember them, that oh, happening. I was on the radio pre-show. I was on the radio pre-show, that's right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we could bring those out. You could show them to us again. Okay, I've got them back right there. Okay. I don't think I've taken them, put them back in the safe yet. They didn't look like medals for a war. I can't help what they look like to you. I mean, <laughs> you know, war is ugly. Sometimes the medals mm -hmm. might not be as pretty as you remember either, but that's just the way it is. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Interesting. I don't know yeah, why it, it is sudden, interesting. You know, we're talking about the mean streets and and then I mean, well, because it, it led right to war. War, because it's so, yeah, uh, mean streets might be bad, but they are bad. Neither neither of them were bad. <sighs> when we stormed the when neither we stormed the were. island, you weren't there. <laughs> You've never been there. He had a wonderful childhood. Did you actually look up crime stats for Helena? <laughs> no. I'd be interested to see because <laughs> they're probably not that. I high. bet there hasn't been. It probably hasn't been a violent crime committed there in sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, triple eight seven two seven back. Uh, Ed Henry challenged a little White House White House hypocrisy. It's a good yesterday. clip. It's a good clip. Yeah, I, did. I haven't seen it yet. You, yeah, you've seen this. I, one? I heard it this morning. Ed Henry goes after Obama, and, and, and the idea is Obama releases there, this torture report comes out, which by the way was written by Democrats. It's a partisan report to try to basically make the Bush administration look bad, and so uh, the president goes along with it and says these practices are un-American. Ed Henry had an interesting observation as to potentially a little hypocrisy here. Watch. So can you explain how the president believes that it's un-American to use these techniques, but it was okay to ramp up the drone policy and basically mm. thousands of people around the world, innocent civilians, were killed? <coughs> What's the moral equivalency there? How do you have moral authority when innocent That's civilians awesome. are killed by drones? Wow. Well, I think that the difference here, Ed, is, and this is a, a stark difference in the way that uh, the United States conducts our policy uh, and the way that terrorists around the world conduct their policy, uh, that uh, there is significant care taken uh, and there are significant checks and balances that are included in the system uh, to ensure that any counterterrorism action that's taken by the United States of America uh, uh, does not put at risk innocent lives. But they do in the end. I understand there are safeguards, but in the end we've seen many cases around the world where U.S. drones have killed innocent civilians, despite those safeguards. Well, and so I'm how do you is, have moral authority? What I'm saying is that is a stark difference than the no. uh, tactics that are employed by our enemies. 
That's uh, not, who seek to use car, bo- car bombs to actually target yeah, innocent civilians. We're civilians. No one's defending the terrorist tactics. Okay. But by your but tactics, you're asking about our moral authority, and I think there is a very clear moral difference. authority. There's a very clear difference. There's a very clear difference uh, between the tactics that are used by terrorists uh, and the counter terrorism. That's not the question, that douche. By the United States of America, that go to great <sighs> lengths uh, to protect the lives of innocent civilians. I, I, I mean, that is really bad. I mean, he's intentionally not understanding the question. Well, uh, is that black or white? Uh, well, the uh, sky is blue, and I think we've all been saying it's blue. It's blue. No, we're talking about that piece of paper. Is it black or white? It's blue. The sky is blue. Is there a big difference between blue and black? I mean, this is horrible. I mean, I, and, 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 and uh, I, honestly, I think man. He, Ed, Ed Henry goes a step beyond where, the, where, where you could go because – the question here, let's just take innocent civilians out of it because that gives uh, Josh Ernest an out. He just starts talking about innocent civilians. Let's right. just talk about the terrorist. Yes. You have a policy yes. in which you cannot slap yes. them, but you can, can kill, kill them. them. That is yes. a, that's ridiculous. Thank you. Without a trial. Without a trial. Without, without questioning them. These are not, and by the way, these are not people, and that's such a good point because these are not even people found on the battlefield. Yeah. You found one of them having breakfast in Yemen. He's sitting in a restaurant in a cafe, and you kill him with a drone strike. That then, an hour later, you kill his 16-year-old son with another drone strike. He wasn't on the battlefield. It wasn't a slap. Yeah. So murdering somebody is better than slapping them. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. And and let's take great logic from uh, Ed Henry. Although he shouldn't. You're right. He shouldn't have gone to civilians. He was trying to make the point even stronger, which it, it it is stronger. The idea that you not only have a policy in which you will kill terrorists but not slap them, but you have a policy in which you will kill terrorists and innocent civilians and Jeez. not slap the terrorists. That is great. I mean, it's a great, great point by Ed Henry, but it unfortunately gave him a little side road to get out and say, well, I'm not innocent civilians and terrorist tactics are totally different. Like, it was a ridiculous out mm-hmm. by Ernest, and he would have found some other way, I'm sure. To, so it's not Ed Henry's fault here. But, I wow. mean, just the idea that it's okay to kill a terrorist with no trial. Right. Okay, but there's not no trial the in Guantanamo either. But also... No opportunity to get information from them. Yeah. The reason why we justify the tactics that are in these enhanced interrogation tactics is to hopefully get information that saves other li- others' lives. In this case, you're just killing them. So we get none of that information. It's just over instantly. I mean, what, what would you rather have happen to you? Would you rather be, rather slapped? be slapped? Would you rather stand awkwardly for a few hours? Would you rather not sleep for a couple of days? Or would you rather go in and have no life? That's I'm going to go with, I'm going to want the life. Even if it's unpleasant, you're going to want the life. And here's some of the intense enhanced ter- interrogation techniques we talked about yesterday. I mean, this list, the, the one that is most comical is the attention grasp, which literally is pulling by the collar someone close to you to get their attention. That's what it is. There are a few in here where there were instances that went beyond the described policy that did result in negative actions, like, for example, um, the uh, nudity one. One was somebody was nude but left out also in the cold and died of hypothermia. Well, that's not the policy but you, uh, you get the point there are, have been some they, there was stuff in the report that was bad it just wasn't typically the policy it was more of an outlier of the policy not only that the cia says just not true yeah and the so cia completely it, it's just not true and it's just a democrat report you know how many times have we seen house republicans produce reports on benghazi or on the irs or whatever that are completely ignored as partisan nonsense that's what this is Partisan nonsense. It's the same thing as you would look at Daryl Issa coming out and, and giving a report. Now, look, that doesn't mean that there aren't true things. There are a lot of true things in Daryl Issa, uh, Issa's report that the media um, would ignore. 
But here, that's how this should be viewed. It's coming from a partisan source. So you look at it. There may be great information in there, but you take it with a grain of salt. A lot of this information just came from terrorist lawyers. You know, I, really? Are we gonna, we're going to get that fired up about that? I don't know what's no. true there. And the CIA and, and the, Cheney as, as was saying this yesterday, and I thought one interesting thing that Cheney was saying and others uh, defending uh, the Bush administration, they actually took a point that would make them... Uh, that it would have given them pass. The report says the president didn't know about a lot of this stuff. The president didn't know about these tactics. Cheney came out yesterday and said, yeah, we did. We did know about them, and they did a good yeah. job. I mean, they could have had a pass, and they came out and still defended the CIA. That's great. Which, I, you know, I think it's, it's the right thing here. Um, Ernest also said the matter of whether the CIA's interrogation techniques actually saved lives is only the smaller question. The most important question is, should we have done it? The answer is no. I mean, unbelievable. Really? So you'd rather not slap a terrorist than save a 1,000 Americans? I'm going to slap the terrorist. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to slap him. If that, if that helps me get the information, I'm going to waterboard him, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get the information. Am I going to douse him in water, too? You bet. Dousing. Mm -hmm. Dousing's going to Dousing's happen. fine. Mm -hmm. Will I poke him with pickle forks? Mm. Yes, if it will save a thousand Americans. Will I jam bamboo shoots up his fingernails? Uh, no, I don't think so. Unless, is there a nuclear, uh, you know, is it a Jack Bauer situation? Right. Nuclear weapons about to go off in 25 minutes, and I got to get this information. I know this guy has it. He's one of the guys who planted the bomb. He can tell me where it is and how to defuse it. Am I going to jam things up his fingernails then to save a million Americans? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, what is probably. the moral choice there? Probably. Go ahead. Think about it this Going in your head. To. You know, they, they say, well, we just shouldn't do it. And that's the easy choice to make, I think. The tough choice is to say, okay, well, there's a million lives at stake here. What do we do? I mean, I, no, no one, and those situations are generally television show. I mean, there, there's very right. few of them in real life. And that's why it's... it's they not, happen every hour on 24. Yeah, I know, every single hour. Yeah. Um, it's not important necessarily to cover them in a policy because they're mm -hmm. so rare, you know. And I think the answer to that situation is you're an agent and you're in that situation where you can try to do everything you can to make a guy talk. You probably do it and deal with consequences. Yeah, are you going to shoot he, him in the leg like Jack does all the time and just put the gun there and just pull the trigger? Ow! You very well might. Ow! In that yes. situation, yes. However, yes. you deal with those consequences. I don't think that's legal. Um, and no, you're, probably you're, not. You're going to probably have to answer that, and you might go to jail. And, and that's Jack, what Jack was did. willing to do it. Jack was willing to do it. And that's what you ha I mean, unfortunately, those situations, um, you know, things are crazy. However, they also are very rare. And weirdly, it's one of the things that turned me off on the show because over and over, how many, how many seasons and how many times did Jack Bauer save the country and then he's still wanted by the law? Shut up. Get out of here. I, I don't prosecute that guy. Do you? Uh, you know, you know uh, that he knowingly, yes, he did some things that you'd like him not to do, but he, he received information that helped him save the nation I think over and over and over. I, I don't think, prosecute that I think guy. you take it into account. I mean, I, like, it's, I pardon it, I, him. We were talking about, uh, and maybe that's the answer. That's part of the process. Yeah. The presidential pardon is part of the legal process. Right. And maybe that's the answer. I think it still needs to exist in that realm. We've talked about this with Edward Snowden, though. A lot of people say, is he a hero or is he, uh, you know, is he a traitor? Mm -hmm. And it's possible to be both, actually. I mean, in a way, did he did he sell out secrets of this country that we would call tra traitorous, tra traitorous in, in many other 
cases? Kind of, yeah. However, that, he can also still be a hero. And he may have alerted us to things that we didn't know about. And, you know, may, and maybe if he comes back to this country, he does get prosecuted. And maybe it takes a presidential pardon if he's ever going to get off uh, of, of those charges. But I, I, I don't, you know, I think you could be both. It, oddly enough, in certain circumstances, and, and you know that may be one of them. Um, I, I just don't like the idea that we're supposed to sit here and, and and you you answer these questions in these general ways, and they're not general way questions. We all realize, in general, you don't want to do anything bad to anyone, and we all realize that there are certain ways you don't treat uh, uh, people in your custody. Um, we also all realize that you need to save American lives. And what's the moral choice here? Do you, is it moral to sit there and say, I will not slap this person because I'm a moral person? Yes, thousands of children will die, but I will not slap. Is that a moral choice? I don't think there's any way to think of that as a moral choice. No, it's bizarre. You know, it's that old old question. Well, would you kill... um, uh, you know, uh, one person to save 100 million. Pro- probably. Mm. Probably, yeah. I mean, that's what we do with terrorists all the time. Mm-hmm. We're trying to say we killed Osama bin Laden so he didn't kill hundreds of thousands. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah, the situation is, you know? is, is tough, but in most yeah. circumstances... If, I, if you give me an innocent person and say you have to kill them and then we won't kill these 100 million... That becomes a tougher, a tougher question way. because there's a, 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 a higher authority, I think, you, you have yeah. to answer to on that one. And, you know, look, we believe in individual rights. Um, you know, the, you can get into a po- position where you, you get to collectivism at that point. You start thinking collectively, and that's not a positive. That's mm-hmm. not a moral choice. But in reality, when you're talking about someone who's committed a crime or is uh, engaged in terrorism against the United States or is engaged in warfare against the United States, these are questions that can always be debated. But I answered for myself a long time ago. And I think, uh, you know, the moral answer here is, you know, you try to save innocent, innocent life. You, mm-hmm. you have to. And, uh, you know, if it comes down to something that doesn't kill someone, and uh, you know, t- I would say pretty easily is not, uh, you know, uh, is, not, is pretty easily categorized as, as something that is not torture, such as slapping or making someone stand awkwardly or keeping them awake for a couple of days. Those are awful things in some circumstances. But it's also things that we put ourselves through. I mean, Jeffy, you, I mean, all the drugs you used to do. Was speed one of the uh, main uh, drugs, drugs of choice back in the day? Was that one of your highlights? I mean... Cocaine, I know, was a huge, a huge part of your life. Do you want it, the resume? I mean, I would like that. But, I mean, things that kept you awake for a real, real long time. Oh, yeah. And you did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. People do that all the time. And as we said, like, well, they were saying, like, well, it could be... Um, there were some extreme examples. There's one up to 180 hours of sleep deprivation, which is really long. But as we talked about yesterday, they said the, you know, was, I think it was 56 hours was one of the big ones. Well, you skip one night of sleep, it's about 40 hours where you would be sleep deprived. Right. That's one night. Mm-hmm. You do two nights, you're at probably 70 hours by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's what Ted Cruz had to say about the torture report. Yesterday was a sad day uh, for the United States and for our friends and allies across the globe. We saw the release of a partisan report from Democrats in the Senate, 6,000 pages, that presented a biased view of what our intelligence officers did in the aftermath of 9-11 and that weakened our nation. 
it endangered Americans across the globe. And the risk of retaliation of violence is real. But even more broadly, it demonstrates an approach that has characterized this administration for six years was that everything, everything, everything is George W. Bush's fault. Enough already with blaming George W. Bush for every failure of this administration. At a time when the entire world is on fire, I recognize that President Obama and Senate Democrats see value in hearkening back six years ago and piling on to his predecessor. Now, let me be clear. Torture is wrong. Unambiguously, period, the end. Civilized nations do not engage in torture. And Congress has rightly acted to make absolutely clear that the United States will not engage in torture. You know, one of the most disturbing consequences of this partisan Democrat report that was released yesterday is the long-term damages this is going to do to our friends and alliances across the globe. I mean, he's on the money there. Uh, as always. As he usually is, right? I mean, this is what Ted Cruz seems to do every time. And, uh, you know, he points out correctly it's a partisan Democrat report, which very few have pointed out. Uh, he, he points out that it is going to do damage. And, and look, we all know that torture is wrong. The question, of course, are all these things torture? You saw the list. Uh, you know, most of them do not rise to that level, in, in my opinion. And I think in the average person's opinion, you think about how many of these can happen in other circumstances. We send out, um, you know, I mean, is it worse than what happens to a boxer? Is it worse than what happens to a, a professional wrestler who's acting most of it? I mean, is it, is it worse than what happened to an actor in a, in, a, in a movie, a stuntman? I mean, if you can't rise to those levels, can, can you possibly cause it, call it torture? I mean, the fact that they're not willingly a participant in it has something to do with their being confined. As we said today on the radio show, the 13th Amendment outlaws slavery except if you commit a crime. You can be a slave. You can be a slave in this country. Slavery still exists if you've committed a crime. They can lock you up. They can restrain you. They can make you work. That's what happens. When you don't put yourself in those situations, you don't try to blow up our buildings. Very odd that this would happen to you and probably won't. All right, 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Triple back is the phone number. Did you, you like that Gruber testimony the other day, right? I mean, it was uh, sort of uh, punched into the back uh, of everybody's mind because of this important Senate torture report, shockingly released on the same day. What, a, what an utter coincidence. Uh, but he was uh, testifying about his role in the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Um, he apparently had very little to do with it. He was not an architect. We know that. No. Watch his statement on this issue, because there's some new evidence you might need to know after you hear it. Do you solemnly swear or affirm the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the mm. whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Please be seated. Let the record uh, reflect the witnesses have answered in the affirmative. Please be seated. Thank you for the opportunity to testify voluntarily today. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased to be able to address some statements I've made regarding the Affordable Care Act and the reaction to and interpretations of those statements. 
I'm a professor of economics at MIT. I'm not a politician mm -hmm. nor a political advisor. I worked extensively with Governor Romney's administration and the Massachusetts legislature to model the impact of Governor Romney's landmark health reform legislation. I did not draft Governor Romney's health plan, and I was not the architect of President Obama's health care plan. Hmm. Okay. Not. So he's not the architect. Not the, he, didn't, he certainly didn't write it, and he was not even the architect of it. No. Definitely not. Um, here's the same guy, Jonathan Gruber, in 2010, talking about his role in Obamacare. You're hearing a lot of discussion now about the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, which passed last March 23rd. Um, this was the single most important piece of government legislation, perhaps since World War II. Uh, certainly the most significant piece of domestic social policy legislation since Medicare was introduced in 1965. True. What does this bill do? Well, this bill tries to, and let me, full disclaimer, I'm going to describe it objectively, but I help write it. So I'm going to, I'll be objective. I'll try to be objective, but just full disclaimer, I was involved in writing the legislation. So uh, there is some bias involved here. Huh. Hmm. He wasn't the architect. And he didn't help write it. But he helped write it. But he helped write it. Uh, he was involved in writing it. He helped write it, and he was involved in writing it. Oh, okay. So, uh... So I guess, again, we're supposed to believe the guy who got caught and is under oath now as opposed to the guy speaking freely in 2010. Yeah. By the way, when, right after the, you know, the, the thing was actually written, in 2012, 2013... He uh, has a lot of comments where he's saying, well, this is why the political process went this way. And he's talking about something that happened several years ago. This is him immediately after. I mean, this is right after this happened, talking mm -hmm. about how he wrote a good portion of the, uh, or, you know, I guess he says specifically, I helped write it. And if, if you asked him about that today, I'm sure he'd say, well, uh, well, that was just my attempt to make it sound like I was more involved than I was. I'll bet you that's what he would yeah, say. Yeah, he would demean himself for yeah, the collective. He would. That is what they do. Uh, so far, the healthcare economist has received at least $5.886 million, $5,886,150 in taxpayer-funded healthcare consulting fees, mainly from the federal government, uh, but he also got $103,500 from the Department of State, three ninety-two dollars from Minnesota, $392,000 from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources. 400,000 from Vermont, 400 from uh, Wisconsin, 481 from Michigan, 1.7 from the Department of Justice, and uh, 2,050,000 from the U.S. National Institutes of Health. That's a lot of stinking money. And greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, it puts him well within the uh, uh, left's absolutely hated it and despised wealthiest 1%. Uh, he, as Gruber said on PBS's Frontline, June 13, 2012, he met with then-Senator Obama in 2006. He said, when people sort of knew he was thinking about it, running for president, but he had not announced yet, I went down basically to do the tutorial for him and we, the, on what we'd done in Massachusetts. So he's already priming the president on uh, what he had helped create in Massachusetts because Obama was planning to do the same for the nation. And how it would work, and basically thinking about expanding it to the national stage. Next time I see him is summer 2009. The big issue here, there, is that you really want to make, uh, you really want to make sure to move forward on cost control. I think that at this point he sort of knew we had a good plan on coverage, but he was worried about cost control. 
Um, so he had a meeting in the Oval Office with several experts, including myself. Wait, I mean, wait he did what? Yeah. So he had a meeting in the Oval Office. In the Oval Office with everyone uh, except Jonathan Gruber, basically? Uh, or No. He had a meeting in the Oval Office with several experts, including myself, meaning hmm. him, hmm. Uh, on what we can do to get credible savings on cost control, blah, blah, blah. Hey, this guy is, was totally involved in the process. He sat in on the meetings. He was with the president a few times. He knows what the deal was. They had these conversations, and now he's just trying to deny it all so that he can take one for the team, and he's willing to do that. He believes enough in what they've done here, in the infrastructure that they've created for uh, big government and control over 17% of our economy, that he's willing to take that bullet. He'll take one for the team, mm -hmm. and he's doing that right now. Doing a heck of a job of it. Triple eight seven two seven back More Pat and Stu coming up. on Fox News last night with Bill O'Reilly and uh, Russell Simmons, who is a big, what, hip-hop producer? Is that what he is? Is that what he does? Yeah, media mogul. Media mogul, okay. And he uh, is out speaking out about uh, hands up, don't shoot, and I can't breathe, and all that kind of stuff. And so apparently black men are just being indiscriminately gunned down in the streets uh, well, by they're not. police officers. Uh, they're not. Uh, but uh, is that what he's saying? Because that's not true, but is that what his point is? I'm sure, essentially. Here's what, uh, here's what the conversation, here's how it went with uh, Bill O'Reilly last night. I believe the strife between poor blacks and the police is driven by black crime. That's the nexus point. Do you believe that? No. I believe that mm. we can create um, of course you a, a good relationship between police and community with sensitivity training, both for the community and for the police. But the bigger issue that you are not acknowledging is that the astronomical crime rate among young black men, violent crime, drives suspicion and hostility on the part of the police who have to be confronted with it. You won't acknowledge it, Russell. You won't acknowledge it. Let me say this to you. The broken glass laws and the way that the police approach community is a problem. The police are afraid of the community. It's true. And I think that requires some sensitivity training. And that, that is where we have to start. But if we want to start with the core, if there is crime or prison culture that ensues in the black community, or if the fabric of the black community is in some way disrupted, it has everything to do with your war on drugs. And the 95% mm. of the people who go to jail for nonviolent first-time offenses are people of color. This is such an interesting argument. And, and, and Russell Simmons is not taking necessarily the ex exclusively liberal position here. He's taking a, a very prominent libertarian position here. In that, and uh, that, that the war on drugs is responsible and it, it sends a lot of uh, black people to jail um, uh, you know, disproportionately. There's a column by uh, Jason Whitlock from ESPN, and, and we've read a lot of Jason's stuff. He's had some really interesting stuff over the past year or two, um, and we've talked about him a lot. He's a columnist. And it, the column, his column was, first of all, he said, uh, by the way, there is no 
uh, problem with white cops shooting black off uh, black people. There's not an epidemic problem at all, which is pretty tough to say. But he went mm-hmm. on to uh, sort of blame the same type of thing, where it's like this law and order sort of thing that came in with Goldwater and Reagan results in a lot of poor black people going to jail for crimes that aren't that important, and we need to look at that problem. And you do need to look at that problem. But I have a real issue with this argument because we're treating young African-Americans as if they are incapable of avoiding crimes, as if they have no role in in committing the crimes, as if they have no knowledge of what is legal and what is not legal. Isn't that demeaning to young black men? They don't know that drugs are legal or illegal. They don't know. Like, I, there might be drugs that I would completely enjoy. Jeffy, you have a good list, I'm sure. That will be, they're wonderful, and, and I'm sure some of them are great. But I don't do them because they're illegal, and I don't want to get in trouble. So my culture tells me to avoid those things, even if I would like them, because they're probably going to get me in trouble. Nobody will know. Right, and I think there's an issue here That's somewhere where somebody is telling people, hey, yes, it's illegal, but go ahead. Do it anyway. If you really like it, it's unfair. It's a stupid law. You don't like it. Just do it anyway. I can't stand the income tax. I still freaking pay it every year. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm somehow able to avoid these crimes. And it's, I think it's somewhat, I don't know, it's somewhat demeaning to say that young African-Americans can't understand this. I mean, uh, of course they can. And whether the law is just or not... Uh, and you might think that the war on drugs is stupid, and you might think it's a waste of money, but that doesn't mean you don't pay attention point. to it. You still follow the law. It's not the point. The war on drugs is not the point. Uh, and none of the stats back up anything Russell Simmons is saying here about because there's more white guys shot by by cops than than black guys. Yes, that's true. And now, do do they go to jail on an equal basis for doing equal crimes? No, I don't know. Probably not. Uh, probably not. It depends on how you're looking at that. If you're looking at it, who African-Americans do go to jail at a dispor- disproportionately high level. Right, but and, are they committing, are they more, committing crimes? more crimes? And, and you know, the, I, the question I, is, is a big one there. O'Reilly said yes. And, and, and the Pretty crime brave statistics, of him to say that. The crime statistics clearly back that up. They now, do. look, you can say that, well, you think that, you know, a white officer will overlook when they catch a white person, they'll just let them go. And when they catch no, a black, I mean, that does not happen. Man, I mean, look at Pat Grace—a great my, example my, of this. My, part, my uh, traffic tickets. <laughs> Have you I'm, ever been gotten out of a traffic? Uh, maybe ticket? twice in my life. <laughs> and then, that, you might say twice. That's a lot. Not when you've had 150,000 tickets. <laughs> right. It's not a lot. Right. I mean, look. The, so n- nothing he says is backed by stats. And your defense to these things is to not commit the crimes. Yeah. And you and to act as if we oh well yeah but they're in a poor community they have to commit these crimes no, well, they don't. the vast no, they majority don't. of these communities are not doing it mm-hmm. you know even when you look at this the arrest rates are high in these communities but there's still the vast minority of people in the community not everyone in the community is going to jail you don't go into the inner city and there's no people there because they're all in prison there's still a vast minority of these communities actually committing these crimes and going to jail it's their responsibility to a work to change the law if they think it's unjust but more importantly. A1 is don't commit the crime while you're doing that. That's how our system works. You don't get to just yeah. start doing the thing that you think you should be able to do because you don't like the law. Here's what I liked, though, yesterday on MSNBC. Uh, Rosa Clemente actually got to the root of, the, of, of what this is all about, though. For the Ferguson protesters, for the protesters in Berkeley, for everybody yelling and screaming about uh, police and all of that nonsense... And by the way, if your issue is police and you're out yelling about the police, what are you doing talking about the war on drugs? I mean, 
it's police job to enforce laws. They have to. Right. So if you want to change the law, go talk to legislators. Right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That's a great point. Go talk to legislators. No one thinks of it that way. It's not, it's not the police's fault. It's not their fault. They They're enforcing the, enforce law. the law. Go talk to your legislature. Yeah. Uh, but she finally got to the root of this, of what really is behind this stuff. Here's uh, hip-hop activist uh, Rosa Clemente. The problem extends beyond police departments. What's the next institution that you think needs to be isolated and then challenged? The economy, capitalism. I think that's no. the institution capitalism. that all over this country, yeah. right? right. Um, it yeah. is really what is the oppressive force. Right. And the police are actually, in, in my opinion, and I think we have a lot of theory that proves this, are, are that force that are keeping us, as particularly working class people, from achieving this idea of, you know, economic justice. Oh, yeah. Economic <laughs> justice is not devoid from racial justice, just like it's not devoid of gender justice. Oh, so I think right what these that. young people are talking about is now... As we are talking about policing, how are we talking again about the system, particularly the economic system, that uh -huh. really from birth determines uh -huh. how we're going to, you know, how we're going to be looked on? No, absolutely. Absol and he's absolutely an is Absolutely out of, a out of an NBC Universal property. Absolutely. Someone says no capitalism and you get an absolutely out of the host at the end of the rant. Hey, uh, but that's what it's about. Capitalism is is of their course. problem here. Yeah. That's their issue. Where where capitalism is oppressive? What the hell are you talking about? It's the exact opposite. I mean, is the exact opposite. B Socialism is oppressive. Yeah. Communism is oppressive. Of course. Capitalism is freedom. It's freed the world. Freedom. Uh, it's freed the world. I mean, and, and, the, and she says, Stupidity. well, uh, racial justice and economic justice and social justice are not. They're all connected, you know. Uh, yeah, they all came from the exact same place. They are absolutely mm -hmm. connected. The way you're talking about them, they are absolutely connected. And they are connected as a principle from Marx. <laughs> they are yeah. a way to pitch I mean, it really, it goes back to uh, the progressive era of, of this uh, particular uh, country and in, in the last century. But, I mean, you go back to—this is—Glenn's talked about it many times. Father Coughlin, who is a guy who people said Glenn was like. He was a guy who loved fascism, loved Nazism. He was a guy who came out and he said all these you know, things about mm -hmm. uh, how great Nazis were. And he was a loudmouth guy who spoke on the radio. So that must be Glenn Beck. Actually, the name of his magazine was Social Justice. That was the name of it. He was pitching all of the things that we fight against and all of the things you fight for. That was what Father Coughlin was doing. And, you know, these guys have seemingly no understanding of that at all. This woman, who's a hip-hop activist, also ran as the vice president of the Green Party in 2008. She is a... This is that... I mean, the Green Party is just half admitting what democrats want to do socialists are fully admitting it the green party is saying well we can't call it socialism but let's do all the socialist stuff and then democrats are like ah well we can't really say it or fully do it let's just do as much as we can this is the division in american politics on the left right now mm -hmm. and i mean she's you think oh wow this they pulled on a crazy green party activist to talk here but what did you get from the host absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. He agreed with the point <laughs> the that worst. capitalism should go away on an NBC oh property that is worth probably billions of dollars despite the fact that nobody watches it. Yeah, no question. Triple eight seven two seven back. More more patents too coming up. Absolutely.
Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You're totally oh, right there. Uh, capitalism is really the oppressive force. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, the entire basis absolutely. for our network and how I get paid every day is definitely the big problem. Mm -hmm. That's oppressive. Uh, yeah. That's oppressive. Yeah. By the way, not stop for a sponsor uh, real quick. Right. That's oppressive. Deck. It is Pat and Stu, the uh, gender-bred man. Not the gingerbread. It's the gender-bred man now. Parents are somewhat angry after their school what? told their 13-year-olds they could have sex and choose their gender. <laughs> uh, along with local area groups, some parents are irate that their kids' sex ed class at uh, Acalene High School in Lafayette, California, being taught by employees of Planned Parenthood without prior knowledge. They're also fuming over the methods and materials being used, including a checklist that asks students if they're ready for sex, and another worksheet that describes how to give and obtain consent, as well as a diagram that uses gender-bred, a gender-bred person for lessons in gender identity. That is wonderful. Can we can we see the little uh, genderbred person? It's adorable. It's uh, there you go. The little uh, line uh, underneath the gingerbread person 2.0. Gender is one of those things everyone thinks they understand, but most people don't. Like Inception. G gender isn't binary. It's not either or. In many cases, it's both and a bit of this, a dash of that. This what? tasty little guide is meant to be an appetizer for understanding. It's okay if you're hungry for more. That is what was the age again, Pat? 13? 13. Unbelievable. So, um, are you, I would be out of my mind. Let me give you some uh, possibilities for you. Um, Jeffy, why don't you think about which one you are here, okay? Are you a woman, <laughs> a man, a two-spirit, a genderqueer, or genderless? Wait, a two-spirit? What's a two-spirit? Um, so... The, they're on scales. If you see the blue, you can kind of read along. But is it okay. uh, not? Are you womanness or do you have manness? So, if you're a woman, you are have some womanness and no manness. If you're a mm. man, you have some manness and a little bit of woman womanness. If you're two spirit, you have equal amounts of manness and womanness. If you are gender queer, you have a lot of man and a lot of woman, but a little bit more man than woman apparently. And if you're genderless, you have none of either. Okay. Now, what about gender expression in the yellow guide? Um, are you butch? Because if you're butch, you have a good amount of womanness and no mm. manness, which I would say is actually mm. the opposite of what I thought butch was. Yeah, I, me too. Right? Mm -hmm. I thought, um, if you are f uh, femme, you, uh, maybe the... Oh, no, I'm sorry. They just switched the scales. That's the problem. So this is mas So you have a lot of masculine and no feminine. That's butch. Does that make sense? Uh, if you're a femme, you have a lot of feminine and no masculine. If you are androgynous, Jeffy, you have... <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying your name. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. no, 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 no. Okay. Um, you have a, a lot of masculine and a lot of feminine. If you're gender neutral, you have very little of either. And if you're hyper-masculine, you have unbelievable amounts of man and unbelievably little amounts of feminine. How about biological sex? This is something that's interesting, Pat. Do you have femaleness or maleness? Because that's different than womanness or manness or masculine or feminine. Feminine. You now have femaleness or maleness. 
Now, if you were a male, you have more male than female. If you're a female, you have more male than male. Uh, for more female than male, you might have been able to guess that part. But if you're intersex, you have a little bit of each. If you're female self ID, you have a little bit of each, but you have more femaleness than maleness. If you're male self ID, you have a little bit of each, but you have more male than female. And then, who are you attracted to? Uh, men, males, masculinity, or women, females, uh, femininity? You're straight. You like the. You like. Uh, well, this I guess they're doing for women. If you're straight, you like dudes. Uh, if you're gay, you might like dudes too, though. Because if you're straight and a female, you like dudes. But if you're gay and you're male, you also like dudes. If you're pansexual, Jeffy. Again, I'm just addressing you as part of the conversation. I'm not saying you're pansexual. Pansexual means you like everybody a lot. If you're asexual, you don't like anybody at all. And if you're bisexual, you like each a little bit. Apparently, bisexual people aren't actually really attracted to people. But pansexual people really like everybody. Huh. Now, there are some interesting questions the gingerbread person version 2.0 raises. However, none of them are questions I want my 13-year-old discussing right. in school with teachers. Now, this is something you should be out protesting about. This is something you should be out in the street. This is something you should be carrying signs about. This is something uh, over which uh, you should be down at your local school and uh, demanding answers to. And, and if you're not getting the right answers, you're pulling your kids out of school. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what else you do. This is not, this is not, a, it's not acceptable. I'm just... I, I, I would not accept this, and I don't know how anybody does in their school district. If this is going on, it has to stop. First of all, Planned Parenthood has no business being in your school. No business at no, all. None. I don't care what age. They can go to they can go Planned Parenthood after school hours. If they yeah. That badly. No business being in your school. Keep them out. Triple eight seven two seven back. More packets do come. Controversy continues to swirl around this uh, Virginia rape case. Did it happen? Did it not? Uh, most people, I think, uh, now, some people anyway, believe it was a hoax. Yeah, well, including Rolling Stone, the place that Including the Rolling Stone. Now, they're not saying they know all the details of the incident. They just know mm -hmm. that they don't think what she's saying is true. Uh, and this is now being backed up in the Washington Post by the Friends. Remember the story where this you know, woman supposedly was gang raped for three hours. It was terrible for, by on seven guys glass. on broken glass. Then went to go find her friends, which, of course, you know, could happen. I mean, you know, you'd think obviously mm -hmm. the best thing to do is call 911 immediately. But it, if you don't do that, you, you go find your friends and maybe you want to be have their support when you go to the, the police. Instead, the, they told her, oh, you know what, though, that'll make the campus look bad and... You know, what about your position in sororities in the future? I mean, have you thought of that? It seems so absurd that it would mm -hmm. ever go on. Uh, that, that was one of the first things. Do friends act like that? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I've never had a friend like that. Friends though. don't let friends report rape. Really? I, yeah, that's a, that's I a thought thing. that was drive drunk. That's I think, a thing. 
No, friends, friends don't, don't let friends, friends, friends report rape. I think oh, it's report it rape. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew it was alliteration. I knew it yeah. was a report rape, drive mm-hmm. drunk. It was some alliteration. Yeah. Um, first interviews. Uh, the friends um, are saying that their recollections mm-hmm. of the encounter diverge from how Rolling Stone portrayed the incident. The friends are skeptical now of her account, mm. the alleged uh, rape victim. Um, the, they said that they were, of course, ca- uh, callously apathetic. That was what the article said. It uh, didn't happen that way at all, the friends said. They, they do think something happened, something shook her that night, but it's, it's hard to know exactly what it was, and they don't really seem to, uh, at this point, really understand what it was either. They said they were, they were concerned for her. They tried to be supportive, um, but uh, there are lots of inconsistencies. Um, they, uh, they say that... Um, uh, the man who is now a junior at a university in the other state, uh, who was one of the, I guess the, uh, um, I guess it's that the, one of the attackers, confirmed that the photographs were of him, and she barely knew Jackie. These are the photographs in question. Hasn't been to Charlottesville for at least six years. The friends say they were never contacted or interviewed by uh, Rolling Stone. Um, the Rolling Stone article also said that Randall declined to be interviewed, citing his loyalty to his own frat. He told the Post that he was never contacted by Rolling Stone and would have agreed to an interview. The, I mean, how bad is that? The story is just, it's fallen apart. It's, it's totally fallen apart. It did not happen the way she said it did. No. It, I, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, right? so story one here is just the failure, failure of Rolling Stone journalistically, mm-hmm. um, which is not a huge surprise to me. Story two is a bunch of innocent people potentially uh, accused of something they didn't do. And story three, maybe most importantly, is this idea of the rape culture on campus. While it's not, uh, you know, the rape culture on campus is bullcrap, okay? It's not a rape culture, okay? Mm-hmm. There is a sexually active culture there, but, and rapes do occur, um, and that's terrible, but it's not a rape culture. That's just a made-up nonsensical term. There are individuals who have done horrible things. This sort of thing does not seem possible to me. But this is what I think is really driving this right now, this rush to judgment to try to basically make every male college student in America into Genghis Khan, as John Kerry would say. Uh, This marauding band of maniacal rapists are all over the place in every college in America. Um, An amazing stat that we learned from a a new study shows, Pat, I don't know if we've talked about this. I talked about this on Glenn's TV show the other night. They say one in five women have been raped. Well, the evidence shows that non-student women in the same age group are victims of violent crime at a rate of 1.7 to 1 to a student. So people who aren't in college are being attacked 70% more often than someone who is in college. So if the rate is 1.4 or 1, or, or excuse me, 1 in 4 or 1 in 5 women in college, it would lead you to believe that it's 1 in 2 or 1 in 3 for women outside of college. Does anybody believe that? Not me. I don't think any thinking person can believe that's an accurate statistic. No. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It does not stand up to any sort of, uh, of, of, uh, of uh, smell test. And this, the evidence shows that one, if that were true, uh, that you'd be safer sending your kids to college. Because the people outside of college get raped and attacked much more often than they do out uh, when they're actually in college. I mean, so what do we believe here? Do we really believe that we're talking about rape rates that are much higher than the Rwandan genocide? I don't think anybody believes that, but this is the theme of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And another story, which is amazing, a story, uh, this is uh, uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Witt. Here he is. Um, he, is a, he was a quarterback at Yale. Um, and listen to this account. This is his firsthand account. This is printed uh, today. Uh, I'm a first-year stu- first student at Harvard Law School, and I joined the 28 members of our faculty who recently protested the university's adoption of a new and expansive sexual harassment policy. Um, Harvard's new policies are substantially similar to those already in effect at Yale, my alma mater. While an undergraduate there, my ex-girlfriend filed an informal complaint against me with a newly created university-wide committee on sexual misconduct. The committee imposed an expectation of confidentiality on me as to prevent any form of retaliation against my accuser. I would say more about what the accusation itself entailed if, indeed, I had such information. Plus, they told him that he could have a faculty advisor but no lawyer Mm -hmm. uh, and instructed him to avoid his accuser. uh, And he'd not seen her nor spoken with her in weeks. And then all of a sudden, he gets this. Yeah. So how would you feel? You'd be like, what are you talking about? I haven't even seen her. Right. What do do, And I can't have a lawyer? Screw you. Yeah. Under the informal complaint process, specific accusations are not disclosed to the accused. No fact-finding takes place, and no record is taken of the alleged misconduct. No record is taken of the alleged misconduct. For the committee to issue an informal complaint, an accuser need only bring an accusation that, if substantiated, would constitute a violation of university policy concerning sexual misconduct. The informal process begins and ends at the point of accusation. Think about this statement. The informal process begins and ends at the point of accusation. And the truth of the claim is immaterial. immaterial. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's irrelevant. They don't care whether it's true or not. They don't care. A lot of companies have had that in place for a while. No, I mean, I know... Well, the, and the, any female I mean, employee they, can say anything, anything she wants uh, about male any too, for that matter, male. Really. Right. But, or I mean, male. But, but, I mean, you can go... It would usually be a woman. Like, I don't feel good. He makes me feel uncomfortable. Right, and that was essentially what happened here. She accused him of making her feel uh, uncomfortable. She made her worry. I, Seriously, what? that's what it was. It wasn't a, a rape. It was just that she said, oh, I, I, I felt worried. Um, when she I demanded... Felt worried. I felt worried. This is not... Oh, well, there is the freedom from worry in the Constitution. But other than oh, that, there's yeah. not a big basis for that. <laughs> yeah. um, when I demanded the fact-finding be done so that I could clear my name, I was told there was nothing to clear your name of. When I requested that a formal complaint be lodged against me, a process that does involve investigation of the facts, I was told that such a course of action was impossible for me to initiate. Coincidentally, the same day, my accuser decided to lodge the complaint against me, the news... That I had been selected as the finalist for the Rhodes Scholarship has been publicly announced. The news gained national attention with stories in every major media outlet and print online because of my position at Yale starting quarterback and the fact that my interview date was set for the same day as the last Harvard-Yale football game. Um, and this, is, this mm. guy actually wound up playing in the game. Decided to not go for the Rhodes Scholarship thing to play, uh, you know, to play for his team, which people recognized at the time as, wow, what, here's a guy who's... You know, passing this big individual honor to work with the team, and it was widely praised. The uh, after the, um, the the New York Times wound up um, uh, writing an article um, saying they had learned about the confidential complaint against him, and the Rhodes Trust uh, had been aware of it. The paper then published a lengthy article re- revising the narrative of my pursuit of the scholarship, and suggesting that I had intentionally misled media into believing a feel-good news story, a sports story. That never was. The Times public editor later condemned the piece for using anonymous sources. At the time the article was published, I was busy preparing for an NFL combine. 
um, projected as a likely NFL draft pick before the accusation was made public. I was not only an undrafted, but completely untouched by any NFL team. The destructive power that is Yale and now Harvard's sexual misconduct policies wield mm. is immense and grossly underestimated. Mm-hmm. By giving to, unsubstanti- by giving to uh, unsubstantiated accusations the confoundingly difficult-to-define title of informal complaint and denying accused students an opportunity to clear their names, these policies place the entire weight of the university's reputation on the side of the accuser and against the accused. Uh, he goes on to say, the complaint lodged against me and my family caused immense grief. And as a simple Google search of my name reveals, its malignant effects have not abated. It cost me my reputation and credibility, mm-hmm. the opportunity to become a Rhodes Scholar, the full-time job offer I had worked so hard to attain, the opportunity to achieve my childhood dream of playing in the NFL as well. I've had to address it with every prospective employer whom I've contacted, with every girl that I've dated since, and even with Harvard Law School during my admissions interview. It is a specter whose lingering presence is rooted in its inexplicability. I mean, that, how amazing is this? Here's a guy who, you know, obviously claims he's innocent and wanted to prove his innocence, mm-hmm. wanted to take this on, and is not given the opportunity, even though the accusation against him was that he caused worry, and now he can't get into a job. He can't. I mean, I don't know if he would have been a good quarterback in the NFL. Who knows? But he should have had a shot to, to try for it. Yeah. Well, you might say, well, he had no shot coming from an Ivy League. But then right. you think Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's, who's got a decent NFL career going on right now. Yeah, current he played quarterback at Harvard, of the Houston Texans. Played for Harvard. And, and now this kid uh, who had NFL aspirations. And, you know, uh, actually Harvard and Yale are pretty good right now in football. They're, they're, they're both doing fairly well in their division. Um, but f- t- for somebody to just accuse you of something, and that's where it stops. And then you, you make note of that. And then somehow all that information leaks out and all that they're accusing you of is making them feel uncomfortable. And then that that causes you to maybe lose uh, Rhodes Scholar position. It causes you maybe to lose really good jobs. It disqualifies you from the NFL. I mean, that is despicable. It is. And a, that is not America. And this is the other side of the it's woman who wrote in Washington Post, we should automatically believe all rape claims. This is yeah. the, that's that policy in action. Well, it ruins people's lives. And not just all rape claims, but all uncomfortability claims. Yeah. I think we automatically <laughs> believe them <laughs> right. all. Wasn't even I, I do believe she felt uncomfortable. I do believe that. I believe she was. there well, was some worry. Look, there. We, I believe it. We like the founders. And the founders mm-hmm. wrote very specifically, thou shalt not be made to feel uncomfortable. Right. Right. They wrote it in the Constitution. First of all, you cannot offend. No. And you may not make anybody feel uncomfortable. If they express that they have been made to feel uncomfortable by you, it is punishable by death. So this guy got off. He he got off scot-free, frankly. (laughs) He's not dead, right? He's not dead. He's currently alive. He's currently alive. So he got off easy. Worries me. I mean, look, there are things you have to do. Are you worried? You're worried right now? (laughs) Jeez, Jeffy's worried. Who are you worried about? Do you, we have an informal complaint board. I'm worried about with. the informal complaints against me. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, too, if I were you. Um, you know, look, it's, you have to do some things for people who are victims of these crimes. And sometimes, because of the sensitive nature of them, you have to maybe... You know, if you're a rape counselor, you don't go in there necessarily and start pressing the witness. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, maybe you accept it as a rape counselor, and you're saying, look, I understand, like, let's do the things that are right. And the first thing... You say to them is, let's go immediately to the police 
and they'll say, well, I don't know. What about my reputation on campus? And you say, don't worry about your reputation on campus. Go and get this guy in prison. Because if he raped you, he's going to go rape somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's completely ridiculous for any other response. Um, but sure, you believe them. And let them sort it out in court if they, if they want to make an accusation. That they, that's how this is, system is designed. But to just say that you're supposed to believe people who make accusations against people they may or may not have another issue with. And, they, and, and you know, the normal way and reason you wouldn't do that, like if someone wants to accuse Jeffy of something terrible, you might not do it because you have to go through the, the trial and you, you don't want to have to deal with it, you don't want to have to rehash it, and you don't want to be shown that you're lying if you're lying. Complete waste of time, too. Complete waste of time. <laughs> you don't want to be shown that you're lying if you're lying. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do an informal complaint and they can't possibly even defend themselves, you take away uh, the deterrent of lying. You let them say whatever the hell they want with no repercussions. Yeah. And uh, that's a yeah. huge problem. I mean, look, y- y- stopping sexual assault is really serious, and we all want to do it. But you can't just make it so anyone can ruin someone's life. It's un-American. Uh, you know, it really is. Un-American. Yeah. because it's I mean, due process. It yeah. should be. It's un-American and unconstitutional. I mean, both these institutions who have this policy should be taken to task, and it should stop. It's got to stop, right? Yeah. How about this guy? He goes to Yale, and they have this policy. It ruins his life. So he's like, ah, I can't go play football. I better just go to Harvard and go back to college. And then Harvard implements it. <laughs> Son <laughs> Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Uh, Stu's on his way to uh, Zach's big Christmas something spectacular uh, in some way. I hate kids. I gotta hate kids. They all have their little things you gotta go to. Uh It's just agonizing. Thank you. Why do people have children? (laughs) Why do In my own case, I actually love my kids. You do? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are we on the air? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love my yeah. kids of course, too. Of course you do. Yeah, love them. All right, you were kidding, right? Oh, yeah, yeah kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, support for gun rights higher than it's been in decades. This is great. I bet. Uh, Pew Research found that 52 percent of Americans say the Second Amendment rights are more important than gun control, up seven percentage points from just uh, December 2012 after the Sandy Hook shooting. Highest approval rating in two decades, and it's been driven in part by changing attitudes among black Americans who are increasingly likely to view guns as good public safety. I bet. How about that? 54% of blacks now say firearms protect people from being victims of crime. That's awesome. That's huge. That's awesome. Huge. Uh, And now, also, a uh, group of some 200 lawmakers from across the country have formed the American State Legislators for Gun Violence Prevention. Uh, founded by Democratic New York Assemblyman Brian Kavanaugh, the group was formed because Congress failed to reform gun laws. Uh, I'm so tired of these people, these <laughs> idiots who don't understand the Second Amendment. I can't take it. One of them, of course, was Piers Morgan, who seems to be a little bit uh, backing, backing down from his uh, really harsh stance that he took last year. Which contributed to him leaving his job. Major downfall. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, the American people just don't support it, and and even liberal American people, for the, for the most part, were, he went too far. 
And he seems to be agreeing with that now. He's, he seems to be softening a little bit. He kind of made nice with uh, Megyn Kelly the other night. Here's part, part of what he said on guns and gun control. Do you regret what happened to CNN? You know, your stance on guns basically led to the end of your show because people just said, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch the British guy telling me about the American Second Amendment. I got that. Uh, I don't agree with it, and I don't regret it. I, I've, to me, it remains uh, unconscionable that a country of the power and magnificence oh, so maybe of the United States of America could allow yeah. 20 first graders to be blown to pieces in their classrooms. And the but reaction, you went right to the gun well, thing the and less to the mental health. The reaction, well, it's all part of it, but the no, bottom line is absolutely nothing has been done to stop that happening again. Mm -hmm. I find that... Oh, Let me ask you this, though. Do you think the way you delivered the message was too alienated to, bit, yeah. alienating to be heard? Okay, I so think I became too aggressive. I think I didn't listen to the other side mm -hmm. as much as I should have done. I think that there is a You're culture of gun yeah. uh, ownership in America, which I didn't afford enough respect to, mm -hmm. and I totally agree with that. I think if I had my time again, and I'm actually working mm -hmm. on a, a guns movie, actually, it mm -hmm. would be a much oh, be more two-way conversation I would have with mm -hmm. people to try and understand why America has an obsession with guns, as many people see it, and how you get to a place where there is more safety involving guns than perhaps there is now. Please tell me she asked him what she followed up with. So when can we expect that movie, Pierce? Yeah, because we're all on the edge of our seat. How far along are you into that process? You know, there's two things I want to see. One's the new Star Wars series. The other is your deal on guns, man, because, wow. i got to tell you, I may be willing to see his movie before Star Wars. Wow, am I looking forward yeah, to that. That will be good. Yeah, how is it possible that this guy still doesn't understand he certainly does. where America is on guns? Uh, it helped us free, um, free ourselves from your stupid country, peers, in the first place. The ownership of guns and, and our, our culture where we accept that everybody can own one within reason uh helped us overcome the most powerful army in the world i mean you know the country that you seem to want to stay in yeah <laughs> uh, although he doesn't he's over here for some reason you know if great britain is so great oh, that's and if, what i mean yeah our country, right the, the u.s yeah so if you like great britain's policy on guns yeah. go back go Simple. home all the brits will probably agree with you over there uh, this gun culture is crazy. Yes, that's right, mate. And you'll have a 90 share in Great Britain, but <laughs> it didn't work out for you so well here. Trust me, there's no ban on flights going anywhere in the world from this country. That's anywhere. correct. That's so right. hop on it. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Also, we have uh, the Yale Book of Quotations. The first one was right. published in uh, 2008. And now it's been updated with the annual list of the top 10 quotes from 2014. So... Let's start at number 10, uh, and there is a three-way tie for 10. Oh, boy. I don't know how that happens, but... Uh, so there's 13? Yes, I'll see. 12? 10? Yes. Yeah, so okay. We actually get some bonus this year. Right. Uh, every time I get an, appoint, uh, an opponent, I mean every time I get a chance, I am home. That's according to Kansas Senator Pat Roberts, responding to whether or not he actually sees... Or actually he resides in, in the Kansas. state, right? Yeah. So every time he gets a chance to go home, he goes home. Uh, tied for tenth, great nations need organizing principles, and don't do stupid stuff is not an organizing principle. That's according to Hillary Clinton. I don't even remember that quote. Do you? That had to have been I've, recently. I've, I think. I've never heard that quote. That was August tenth. Um, this one from Biden, I do know. Isn't it a bitch? I mean, this vice president thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just okay. Joe. That's just Joe. That's just Joe being Joe. 
At number nine, we have always conducted our relationship privately, and we hope that we uh, consciously uncouple and co-parent. We will be able to continue in the same manner. That's Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin in a statement about uh, their separation. So they've always conducted their relationship privately, and they hope that as we consciously uncouple and co-parent, we will be able to continue in the same manner. Okay, that's privately. Nice. So she wants it to remain private. I bet she does. Yeah. She, talk about somebody that's fallen from grace, though. Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. Kind of has. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think she's a nightmare uh, to be around and to work with. At number eight, uh, this is from uh, venture capitalist Tom Perkins, letter to the editor in the Wall Street Journal on January 24th. I would call attention to the parallels of fascist Nazi Germany's war on its 1%, namely its Jews, to the progressive war on the American 1%, namely the rich. I perceive a rising tide of hatred of the successful 1%. Thank you! That's a brilliant... That might have to be, in my mind, the best quote of the year, at least so far of all these quotes. That's great. Uh, This one comes from Iowa senatorial candidate Jody Ernst, Campaign ad quoting uh, quoted oh, in the yeah. National Journal. I we use that a it's lot. It's great. Number seven yeah. quote. I grew up castrating hogs on an Iowa farm, so when I come to Washington, I'll know how to cut pork. Think about it. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And she won, by the way. Uh, another Hillary Clinton quote. ABC News interview June 9th. Number six quote of the year. We came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Oh yeah. It was sad. Uh, that, that was sad news. That, that tore got. at the heartstrings of all Americans because they came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. And, I, mean, I, I don't know about you, Pat, but I didn't realize it was that bad for them. I, well, when I knew had that, I known. What, it, what would you have done? Would you have contributed? Would you have helped in some way? Would you have sent a sandwich to them? I, so I would have liked to have given more yeah, to the Clinton too. Global Initiative than, right, right. than I have. Yeah. Which is zero so far. Um, I would like to have given more, more than, than what zero. I had to okay. the Clinton yeah. Global Initiative. You know, they're only worth $115 million That's now. It, so um, they're practically still dead broke. Uh, oh, they're getting by. <laughs> number five from Los Angeles Clippers owner Donald Sterling. Uh, it bothers me a lot that you want to broadcast that you're associating with black people. <laughs> Number five quote of the year. Can we, can we ever be on his side ever? Or no. just against him? No, you forever? can't. Just against him. You can't ever say can't ever he got say kind of no. a raw deal. No, you can't say that. You can't ever no. say that, no. what was she doing recording him set? Well, we have like said that. that. We have you said can't that. ever say that. You can't ever we have said, said that. Man, what are they doing? They took his team away. They just took it away. Yeah, they did. And we know you're an owner. Well, he sold it. Megabyte. He sold it. Eh, well, he okay. made some cash. Made some money. $2 billion. It wasn't about the money for him. One of which he received. been a billionaire. That's true. Uh, Number four quote of the year from uh, TMZ reporter Adam Glynn questioning Roger Goodell, who's the NFL commissioner. Mr. Commissioner, we found out by one phone call, you guys have a whole legal department. Can you explain that? That's on why they hadn't been able to uh, view the Ray Rice incident. I don't know. That's not that great. Uh, at number three, the chant of the demonstrators, hands up, don't Thank shoot. Thank you. Oh, my, I thought we were going to just let that go by. Hands up, don't shoot. Thank number you. three. Number oh three. 
even though it wasn't a true thing, uh, they still gave it number three. Well, hands up, don't shoot's not true? No, it's not true. It didn't really ha- I mean, it, not in the case of Michael Brown, anyway. You know, there might be other cases where you want to say, hey, my hands are up, don't shoot. But that didn't apply to the situation they've applied it to. The number two quote of the year from uh, Bridget Ann Kelly, an aide to New Jersey Governor Chris Christie in an email. Uh, time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee. Boom. <laughs> I got him Boom. into some problems, into some hot water, although he's completely recovered from that, by the way. Oh, my God. Uh, you don't hear about this scandal oh, at all anymore. Chance. It's completely over. And what would you guess? Have you seen this? Have you seen it? I did. Oh, you saw it. So Sorry. everybody knows. I can't breathe. Number one quote <laughs> of the year. I can't breathe. Now, that one at least... I agree with. They went too far. He said he couldn't breathe. Let him at least get your arm from around his neck. Are you? Are you? Get okay your with, knee off his head. And so that makes it okay for all the NBA players to wear their shirts. Uh, no, up. it's still agonizing. That makes it okay for the no college basketball teams last no. night doing it. What college basketball I think, team? Did uh, that? The Kansas game. Did they really? They came out warmed up with the I can't breathe. No, that's agonizing. And you can't do anything. I mean, the warm up, there's no. I heard them talking this morning saying that there's no. uh, There probably will be soon, but there's no requirement as to what they have to wear to warm up. Oh. You know what I mean? But I I find that hard to believe because if a team has a deal with Nike or Reebok Mm. or Under Armour, I think they do have to wear that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. That would be the NCAA, you think? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure that's true in the, the NBA. NBA. Yeah, but sure the, um, the NCAA probably close to that. I mean, teams have deals with those particular mm-hmm. companies that mm-hmm. provide them with true. things to wear. And well, I'll tell you this: some kids go to college for four or five or six years and never mm-hmm. buy new clothes. I have I have no such restrictions. I'm wearing my I can't breathe T-shirt tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents too coming up. You don't have a deal? No, I don't don't have any Nike deal. No under armor. I'm wearing I can't breathe all day tomorrow. Okay. I can't breathe. Triple A seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, Jeffy, uh, Stu had to sneak out a little early today. Um, we have the seventy uh, second annual Golden Globe Awards nominations out uh-huh. now. I love these. Uh, best actor in a motion picture drama for that category. Uh, here are the nominations this year: Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler, which I've not seen. Steve uh, Carell in Foxcatcher. Which I've not seen. Of course, this is going to be your winner right here, Benedict Cumberbatch. You, you, you got to believe Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, who, if you haven't, if you've ever seen the the uh, BBC series um, Sherlock Holmes, he's Sherlock in that. He's great, uh, and he's great really in everything he does. He probably will win win the award. Then there's uh, David Oyelowo for Selma. You, say, you pronounce it like uh, you don't even know who he is. Yeah. I, I mean, David is the man. I'm, I'm sure he is. Uh, I mean, I, he was so good. Remember we were talking about Selma? I uh, know. I No. 
Uh, it must have been someone else I was talking yeah. to. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. I've just, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I saw the previews. I he know. He looks and acts and sounds just like Stephen Hawking. That's an amazing performance. Plus, just the... Just the similarity between the two is, is just incredible. Uh, best actress in a motion picture drama? You got uh, Jennifer Aniston for the movie Cake, which I also haven't I haven't seen none of these so far. Jennifer Aniston. Felicity Jones in The Theory of Everything. That's probably the uh, wife. Oh, yeah, that's right? going to be the, yeah. Uh, Julianne Moore in Still Alice. Everybody loves her. not seen that. I'm not a big Julianne Moore fan. Uh, she's not bad. Uh, she's been pretty good in things. Uh, Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. A lot of really good reports of the Gone Girl. And Reese Witherspoon in Wild. I, again, I have yet to see any of these movies, so I, I can't really comment on the performances. Best TV series drama, House of Cards. That better you a House of that Cards better fan? Yeah, that better win. You are a House fan. Of Cards. Love House of Cards. Okay. Kate Spacey, yeah, tremendous. Uh, the Good Wife, which I hear about a lot. I've never oh, seen that. It's either. so bougie. Never seen it. I, it's on Sunday nights. Yeah. And so I catch a lot of it because uh, it's on after the football games yeah. on CBS. It just drives me crazy. It's not, I mean, it's, uh, I can't think of her name now. Though. Yeah, I know who's in it. Yeah. I just can't think of her yeah. name either. But uh, uh, I had it for a second. Now it's gone. Yeah. Uh, Downton Abbey is also nominated. That, right? I do not. You don't? I've never once seen it. My wife what? loved it. For a while, Who my was, wife liked oh, it, it. and then it got to yeah, Glenn loved Glenn. it. Glenn absolutely yeah. loved it. Game of Thrones, which I've also never seen. My son loves this stupid show. He's Game been of Thrones. Yeah, he's been after me to get into this for Elvis? so long. Elvis. Yeah, he's been after me. I to was get hoping into it was Elvis so and not Max watching Game of Thrones. No, Max doesn't enjoy Game of Thrones. No, <laughs> he's trying to get into it. Yeah. yeah. Should sit down together and watch it as a as a family. Well, I try to. He's twelve. It's time to move on. Let's butch up a little bit. <laughs> It's time for you to know what's going on Hello. in the world. All right? Next year you're 13, bro. Step and, up. Uh, the uh, last nomination for best TV series drama is The Affair. I, I've yeah, not yeah, seen know that one. any of those. Don't know that one. Best director, motion picture. Uh, Ava DuVernay, DuVernay for Selma. Ava did a great job with that. Uh, then you have David Fincher for Gone Girl. He did a great job with yeah, that. Oh, yeah. How about Richard Linklater? Oh, with Boyhood? Boyhood. Oh, my gosh. That actually does sound like a great premise because I think, isn't this the one where they took the boy and yeah. followed him for How 85 years or yeah. something? And yeah. Whatever. And it's a real life thing. Great premise, but my gosh, how long is it going to yeah, take? Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alejandro G. Inarritu. Oh, he made Bird Man. Birdman. That was tremendous. Was he did it, a great wasn't that great? That, wasn't yeah. that great? And Wes Anderson in the Grand Budapest Hotel. I forgot about that. Ah, oh, man. I, I forgot about that. How many times have you seen the Grand Budapest Hotel well, so far? So, just so far. Well, I mean, I, 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 Wes has done a great job with Wes it. Wes did a. Oh, what's your favorite part of what he did? The there? Grand Budapest. Oh, the way he produced yeah. the. Uh, the Grand. The. The hotel, hotel thing in Budapest. Oh, there, yeah, tremendous. yeah, me too. Uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy? These are kind of fun. Best motion picture, musical or comedy? Birdman, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, see, I told you. Into oh, the Woods, good. which I'm looking forward to. Into the Woods. Are you looking forward to that? Into the Woods. Yeah. That's, yes. It's supposed to be great. Uh, Pride. And then St. Vincent. I do want to see St. Vincent. I want to really see bad. it. I want to see I, I love Bill Murray. So I didn't much. know that was a. Oh, it could be a comedy. Okay. 
because uh, they don't sing and sing. They sing and dance. <laughs> do they? Yeah, they sing and dance. They do. There's a do big they? scene in the middle yeah. and at the end. Uh huh. Yeah. Right after the hooker scene, <laughs> then he starts dancing and singing. I can't wait for okay. that scene. And in the big category, uh, best motion picture drama, Boyhood. Great, great movie. Foxcatcher. Tremendous movie. The Imitation Game. This is going to be which, a tough choice. Yeah, I know. It's, it really is. The Imitation Game probably is a great movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's going to be between that and the... Selma and The Theory the of everything. everything. It's going to be between those two. Yeah. You know um, But again, of everything listed here, of everything nominated, television and movie, I've not seen any of them. Nothing. Well, I, wish, I can't say that, but... You pretty have close, seen some of them? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, you saw House of Cards, obviously. Love House of Cards, good, good wife. wife, yeah. Game of Thrones, I've seen some of that. Just I'm But you haven't seen much of this either. No, I have not. But that's what they do. Usually it's the Academy Awards that nominate the more. Of course, I don't know if these are, are obscure movies. Some of them are pretty mainstream. Imitation Games, a mainstream movie. Theory of Everything. I don't know what Selma's going to be like. Uh, you know, probably politically charged. And some of these are, like, they're brand new, like Wild. I mean, that's... Yeah, brand new. Brand, Into the Woods, I don't think it's even in theater. I can't yet. be expected to go to a theater. Yeah. I want them in my home. That's right. Exactly right. And they need to be doing that. You soon. know what is in your home now? Doing and that I, soon. I'm looking forward to seeing in my home Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. That was nominated yes. for nothing, but what a good movie that yes. is. It's a fun movie. It's ready to go. And I just watched uh, uh, the latest Planet of the Apes, finally, with I its don't in your like home. It. I saw it. Uh, at a hotel, and I didn't it, like it. It was okay. I, I mean, thought, I, I enjoyed it because I liked those. Okay, I expected I liked those more. Movies. I did too. I was kind of disappointed. And the, the end, they set it up though, so you've got at least two more coming. Oh, at least, at least, yeah. And which um, is all that movie was, which kind of pissed me off. I have to remember to ignore them because nah, that's not that be, good. Because this last one was you expect because the one before was so good. Right. This one you expected to be really good, and all this one was was the setup for the next two. True, that's very that's true. What uh, so as far as these are not nominated, but these were the biggest box office uh, smashes of the of the year. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. made over three hundred million. Hunger Games: Mockingjay is up to two sixty one now. I have, I have to not see that. seen. Why that. have I not seen that? I really yet. want to. Captain America: Winter Soldier. I liked yeah. two fifty nine. Uh, the Lego Movie was pretty good too. That was two hundred fifty seven ah, really million. Good. Yeah. Transformers: Age of Extinction didn't see two forty five. Was it tremendous? I, I liked like those it. Transformers movies. Yeah, I, I generally do too. Maleficent, I hated. Two hundred and forty-one. Did you million. really? I just it. watched that a week like or it. so ago yeah, in my home. Did and, you like uh, it? It was okay. Yeah, I didn't it like okay. it. Okay. Then there's X Men: Days of Future Past at number seven. Yeah. Number eight movie was Wife loves those. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man two made two hundred and two million. Godzilla was pretty good. I liked it. That made two hundred million. I mean, it wasn't fabulous. Then you had 20, 22 Jump Street made $191 million. Oh, my gosh. $191 million. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a reason in my life that I would ever watch that. No, there's no reason to. Neither is there a reason to watch the number 12 movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, also $191 million. I can't bring myself to watch that either. Yeah, that's right, camera boy. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> Big Hero 6 made 178. Now, I, I have no interest in that. Glenn said it was really good. I have no interest in Big Hero oh, I gotta 6. See, I have to see that for the kids because yeah. they really want to yeah, see that's that true. bad. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, I just saw that That was at home. really good. That was good. It was really good. I liked, I liked, it. I liked both of the Me too. dragon movies. I liked the first really one better good. than the second, but they were both pretty Yeah, they were both really good, though. Gone Girl number 15, uh, that was nominated. That. 
Interstellar isn't listed. It got nothing for Golden Globes. I thought that right. was a great movie. Yeah, no, that didn't get voted for anything. Interstellar, wow. and it's made 159 million. Matthew. I also, I also really enjoyed Divergent. Did you like that? Did you see it? Did I see Divergent? Yes, I, liked yes, Divergent I did see Divergent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. It was uh, Divergent. Uh, I think I expected more from that. Really? I think it didn't go. I, dug I don't it. know what it. What? I'm looking forward. That to was more. the girl, right? The the yeah. fighter and stuff mm -hmm. in the New World stuff, mm -hmm. right? The chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah. was something missing from that. I, I enjoyed uh, bits and pieces of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what I've. I have to go back and watch that again. But it just felt yeah. like there was. I I liked it. Yeah, I mean it was okay. I love yeah. those movies. Uh, Neighbors was number 18, which I didn't see. Ride Along, did not see. And Rio 2, round out the top I forgot, 20 I forgot that I had to see Rio 2. At number 21, Lucy, uh, which I heard was bad. I heard that was bad. Uh, probably. Lucy was w the one starring uh, Scarlett Johansson, and she is injected with this drug accidentally. or a dr she's, She tries to... S they have her smuggle a drug, but it, it breaks inside of her, and so she gets the full... Effect of it that happens, to and it increases her mind from just using ten percent of her mind to hundred percent of her mind. <laughs> and she uses so much of her mind that she can make things disappear and blow up and kill stuff without touching it. Think oh, about it. Okay. No, I don't use enough of my think brain to think about it. More coming up here in a second. That still. <laughs> And uh, welcome Hi. back. It's Pat and Stu, Triple Eight Seven Two Seven Back. We promised to talk about this uh, yesterday. Special K, not the cereal. Actually, this time it's the uh, hallucinogen. Apparently, it's raising hopes and cons and concerns as some kind of treatment for depression. Nice. It's uh, either the most exciting new treatment for depression in years, or. It's a hallucinogenic club drug that's wrongly being dispensed to uh, desperate patients in a growing number of clinics around the country. Well, all I know is I'm feeling depressed. It's called ketamine or special K. And you want some, don't I'm you? I'm depressed. Yeah, I'll bet you are. This, and actually, this has helped in the past. Next. Ketamine? Has it? Well, it's been used. <laughs> uh, while it's been used as an anesthetic for decades... Small studies at uh, big law school medical centers like Yale and others uh, suggest it can relieve depression in many people who are not helped by widely used conventional antidepressants like Prozac or Lexapro. And the depression seems to melt away, Pat, within hours rather than weeks. Is this? Is it like Come a... Come on. Does it really? That's what they say. Oh, yeah, right. Does That's what say they that say. Right I mean, I, I've taken a number of things in my life that depression has melted away in in hours, yeah, but it comes back like two or three fold at the end. Unless it's coming as stupid to take it then. Right? You mean once you've tried the heroin, and then you get that initial okay, yeah, it melted away. I'm the okay. high is really good, and then but then when it's out of your system, the high is really good, but not when you so come much. Down right? off of the depression, the low is right. worse yes. than the goodness of the high. Well, I mean that can be said for how many every drug almost right. I, 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 when my son, they tried to put my son on Ritalin at first. That's uh, so when bad. He was first uh, diagnosed so as ADHD, and we caved for a while. Oh my gosh. We we didn't want to, but they wouldn't let us send him to school without it. 
And so this was in Baltimore. Uh, and so we caved in for a short time, but we, against our will and our better judgment, and then we just saw what it did to him. And once, he w- once it came down, you know, it helped yeah. him get through, oh my gosh. through class. But when he got home at 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, he'd crash, he'd cry. It was, it was a mess. He was an emotional mess afterwards. So that downward spiral afterward was just not horrible. Just well, not uh, obviously, he was diagnosed so with ADHD, but it did, does he actually have it? Yeah, I'm sure he had it. I'm sure he probably still has it. But we, instead of uh, you know, loading him up on Ritalin, we homeschooled. Well, we went through that big time um, with my oldest son, Elvis, a lot. I mean, they wanted to medicate him. He was ADHD. Bad. Yeah. They diagnosed him with all this stuff, and we, mm-hmm. I mean, we fought hard not to make that happen. And we never did. And thankfully, because it would have screwed him up even worse, because down the road, they actually diagnosed him with Tourette's. Wow. Really? And all the docs... Elvis has Tourette's? All the docs said that uh, if we had given him the other medicine, he would have been screwed up even worse. It would have screwed up everything. Wow. Um, yeah. I've never heard him yeah, yell, Who oh boy! Oh, on the football field stuff. all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, what's funny is, is seriously, if you watch uh, when, when he was playing all the time, when you would see him on the <clears> field uh, in between plays, mm-hmm. in the huddle a lot of times when they were on breaks and stuff, you'd see his helmet. Oh, really? Say. Oh. But when he was in mm-hmm. school, he would hold, he'd be, he was able to control it a little bit. It's mild. I mean, it's not, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Ah! Right. Uh, He's not screaming obscenity. No, no. Well, not, not because not of Tourette's. Not for that reason, anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, he, so he would control it. But when he would come home in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, he would just sit down and, and have to let it go and shake it out. Oh, okay. And uh, then it was okay. Yeah. It was okay. But, man, they tried everything to get him on medicine. And good, it wasn't because, for, I mean, it was, the, it was because he was that. out of control. I was like, I, I, yeah, I just... It's I, bad. I, I, I just don't. opened the gates on both sides of the house and said, I bet you can't run around the house ten times in under a minute. Go. Uh, and, that's, <laughs> it's a great treatment for I mean, say, yeah. <laughs> come on. I mean, uh, I'll bet 90% of us were ADHD oh my when gosh. we were growing up, and they just didn't call it that No. Then. The, what oh, they, he's really overactive. We were uh-huh. overactive. Get right. out of the house. Go out of the house and go play football. Go play basketball. Go, go right. play capture the flag. Go do something with your friends. That's what we were told. Right. Go out and go dodge ride your bullets. Bike. Go dodge bullets on the mean streets of Helena. <laughs> right. That's what we had to do. Go collect chestnuts and throw them at <laughs> each other. Go. <laughs> but... This ketamine, the clinics are charging from three to three hundred to a thousand dollars a treatment. That's amazing, and that's so, that's why it'll they'll yeah. find some use for it. They're, they're going to way find use for it. too much money. When they're hate capitalism. Hate it. Yeah. Well, so does Rosa Clemente. Oh, she is. She is right. So, yeah. <laughs> absolutely no argument with that. Okay. I mean, look at the situation the world's in since capitalism. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> right. 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 No. <laughs> We're. See you tomorrow. No. No, absolutely.